Welcome to another episode of the Beauty Podcast with me, Emma G. And to explain this week's guests, I have to admit to, um, what would I, how would I describe this? Uh, a guilty pleasure. And that guilty pleasure, my friends, is the Real Housewives of dot, dot, dot. I love a little bit of New York. I have been uh, quite obsessed with Beverly Hills. I dabble in Orange County and I love the Real Housewives of Melbourne so, so much. So when the franchise came over to the UK, Bravo TV uh, decided to film over here and uh, landed in Cheshire, I was obviously cock-a-hoop and haven't missed an episode. Um, like a lot of people, you know, you can tune into a little bit of drama and you leave it when those credits roll and it's hugely entertaining the whole while that you're in it. But uh, when I found out that my guest, Ampika Pixton, who is a star of The Real Housewives of Cheshire, was launching a hair care range, Ampika Locks, I saw it as a wonderful opportunity to merge both my professional passion with my guilty pleasure, sits in pyjamas, eats peanut butter out of the jar passion, which is <laughs> watching this. And actually, I was so pleased when she said that she could do it. She invited me to her London penthouse and... Honestly, we really didn't get into beauty in the way that I thought we would. Yes, we do talk about her hair care range, which sounds really exciting and is obviously a huge passion of hers. But we get into talking about meditation, we talk about Buddhism, and one of the things that I had always noticed about Ampika, which I do bring up at the beginning of the interview, is that in the midst of the kind of, whether it's scripted or unscripted, I don't know, but in the midst of all of that, she does seem to know herself. She's not swayed by other people's opinions and her reactions are her own to situations. And that's actually a quality I really admire in anybody. And that's where we go in, that's where we start. And honestly, I was really surprised and uh, hung on every word she said, because she talks 10 to the dozen, or 20 to the dozen, whatever the phrase is. And uh, yeah, she's just a really fascinating character and not at all what I was expecting. Um, all of the details will be in the show notes about Ampika Locks, as well as the books that she references and any other links. But without any further ado, please enjoy the beauty podcast with me, Emma G, featuring Ampika Pixton. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. When we're having a glass of water with some rather gorgeous stemware, I yeah. wouldn't have expected anything less. Yeah, no bubbles today. It's all water because I'm on a health kick because I'm doing a photo shoot next week. So I've got that healthy zone of no alcohol, no carbs, and lots of sleep. So that's oh, where really? I'm at. That's where my head's at in the minute. Yeah, because we stopped filming so I can go back to being unpeakified the way I want to be unpeakified that means my meditation my reading books my I'm quite a solitary character away from doing the tv show that's where I find my strength is uh, my passion for my business is when I've got my quiet moments where it's just me where I can just focus on where I want to be in life and where I want to get to do you know what that was really interesting that you said that because one of my questions later on was going to be do you meditate? And I've asked quite a few guests this. Yeah. 
because one of the things I noticed, I've seen you on a reality show, and I've yeah. made some, drawn some conclusions, is that you're very self-sufficient. Yeah. Um, you know yourself very well. Yeah. And that comes across hugely, and it's interesting that you have something of a process yeah. to get to that. Has that yeah. been a lot of work? It's been a lot of work, because I think you never really know who you are until you take the time to find out and investigate who you are. Mm. People go through the lifetime never stopping to investigate who they really are and how they really feel about things yeah. and really what has made them the person that they are today. I'm big into soul-searching and I'm big into understanding myself. Because if I don't understand myself, how could I possibly ever form any types of friendships or relationships if I don't understand who I really am myself? Yeah. Well, how did that... Where does that come from? When did that realisation first happen, do you think? Um, well, something I've always been interested in is in Buddhism because my mum was a Buddhist, my mum was from Thailand. So when I was young, I spent a lot of time going to Chinatown on, on the last Sunday of every month, meeting the monks and doing prayers and meditation so it's something that I grew up and had an avid interest in wow. and as I got older I decided I wanted to learn a lot more about Buddhism so I started to go to Buddhism refuges where Buddhist monks would come and you'd join part of a, a group an association where you'd meditate we'd read passages from um, ancient Buddhas um, and how obviously they've moved there's been so many different Buddhas and represent so many different mm -hmm. people all around the world um, it's just something that I've always expressed where interest in and because I've expressed an interest in it and to me it resonates and it, it sits correctly with me how mm. I think life is how I think the philosophy of Buddhism how it just flows for me that type mm. of energy that's what something that I wanted to become become as I was older and use a lot of the morals and a lot of the fables in the passages and implement that into my life wow so this this thing that comes across on the show is actually very real and very deep. Yeah. You, you are, um, I've said self-sufficient, you know yourself, but you don't seem rocked by other things. And obviously you're in a, a show where um, that's, that's kind of the design, yeah. is to get people to be a little bit upset yeah. and to have people yeah. reactions, but you don't feed into that. I think, to be honest, there's been times where I have been shell-shocked and I have reacted um, and I've been extremely hurt. And when you get hurt, you either do two things. You can either crumble and cry mm. or you can lash out and be quite, you know, verbally direct to the person who's really hurt you. But I think over time, I'm getting to understand the other girls more. Mm. So I almost look at them like little children. And I've become, I've taken over the role in my own mind as school mom. And I just literally leave them to have the hissy fit and the tantrum. And when they're over and done with it and they want to have a logical conversation and actually speak sense without directing any abuse or mm. negativity towards me, I am all ears. But I won't lower myself to engage in that type of conversation. And that comes from those original... that. Yeah, yeah. It's very, very easy when you're in a small circle of people to mirror other people's behaviour mm. and to also bring yourself down to a certain level. It takes a lot of willpower and a lot of strength to analyse what exactly is going on, how someone reacts towards you is not necessarily something that you have to mimic and behave mm. back in the same manner. You can rise above it. You can remain very firm, very controlled, very much empowered of your own choices, of words you use, um, how the tone in, in which you're speaking, mm. um, and how you address someone, and how hard you want to literally attack someone. That's not my remit, that's not part of the Buddhist philosophy. If people want to attack someone or very, very verbally abusive, I would just leave that person to it. 
On your, in your own time and in your own way, how do you check in and, and how, do you meditate regularly? Is it a daily practice? Yeah, I'd like to do it daily. Uh, ideally, it's, in an ideal world, it doesn't always happen daily with obviously the, my duties as a mother to my son, mm. my duties to my staff. And obviously, I'm bringing out um, a hair care range product. And with the TV show, sometimes it's just not enough hours in a day. Mm. But it's great when I do have that time. I try to fit it in at least three times a week. I almost think it's like a workout for your brain. Mm. Um, it's not something you do and you reap the benefits from the first time. It's something you have to utilise and implement into your life time after time, week after week, because mm. that's where mental strength comes from, from literally switching off from the outside world and gathering your own thoughts and being your own person. And I've always been very direct and very precise about that. That's really interesting. I really adm- admire the fact that... Do you, how old were you when you started to really implement it on a regular basis? Um, when I was 12, I joined... It's different from Buddhism. I joined a spiritual circle where people would meditate and they would get messages from people that passed and they would stand up and do platform and church work and give total strangers messages from their loved ones. And it was very, very precise and clear as to... You'd have to give relevant information to how that person died, what relationship was that person who's passed to the person that you're speaking to you have to come up with significant proof factors and points mm. sorry that's my washing machine um, this is this is real life <laughs> yeah um, you have to come up with very very specific facts to make sure that you're, the message you're giving to that person is not you know a weak sure a very vague message it's very very direct and they know exactly who you're talking about so that opened up the realm to me with Buddhism mm. initially as my ch- from being a child to be going to these spiritual churches with my grandfather when I was 12, that just brought the whole point of meditation mm-hmm. and finding who you are and asking whoever's above us for the questions and the answers and finding them back in yourself and trying to live your life in a moral way. That was just something that was infused when I was about 12, I would say, in my mm-hmm. life. Do you feel that uh, when you make decisions in life that that yeah. has helped you make better decisions? Yeah, if I... All my decisions that I've made on impulse have never been the right decisions. I didn't listen to my inner thoughts. I didn't switch myself off. I made a quick, instant decision based on emotions. And Mm -hmm. they have never, ever led me to be or do anything that was successful. All my successes in my life have been to the fact of me switching myself off from the outside world, gathering my own thoughts, doing a lot of meditation and weighing up all possibilities without making a rush decision. And those decisions have been long-lasting decisions which have brought me to the path that I'm in now. Wow. You are the sort of person I can imagine a lot of your friends tether themselves to you because you've got a very solid demeanour in the sense yeah. of, like, you're not you're unwavering. Yeah, a lot of my friends um, always ask me for advice mm. and always come to me because I don't judge, I never pass judgement. I don't mm. think any of us have got the right to judge unless you've walked in somebody else's shoes. But what you can do is you still can be firm, you can still be fair. Mm. And a lot of it's logical and that's a logical, strong, balanced decision always comes from a logical, balanced, strong mm. mind. Yeah. So if I don't exercise and nurture my mind to be strong and balanced, nothing will be logical. It's interesting what you say, the analogy of, um, you know, you wouldn't do one gym session and no. think, right, I'm fit. I, yeah. So you can't just do one no. meditation. I'm struggling with headspace. I really want to do 10 minutes a day. Yeah. But I, I'm struggling to fit it in, but I yeah. know it's really, really important. Yeah, very important. What does meditation look like for you? Meditation for me is literally to switch off. I go revert back to an old Buddhist saying about the chattering monkeys. So the chattering monkeys are groups of people around you, situations. Um, 
negative chit chat, mindless chit chat, and every day when you're walking down a road, your head is filled. If you just stop and listen to your mind, you might not be thinking about the washing or what my cooking's day or she said that to me that really pissed me off or I'm still drinking my phone, I don't want to answer them or God, my boss might think I'm really bad because I've not finished this, this project on time. Mm. And that's mindless chatter. That really is mindless chatter mm. and it's not really anything eventful. Whereas for meditation, we switch off, we clear all our mind from all the rubbish, literally get that chalkboard and wipe it all clean and then sit in silence and slowly, slowly, anything that you need answers to, you start to just get this wave of empowerment and being strong that you become very, very whole and powerful. So you can almost look at situations from a bird's eye point of view. You're not involved in it. When you're involved mm-hmm. in something, you become very impulsive with your decision. You can become very erratic. You can be very much led by your emotion and make a flippant decision, mm-hmm. the wrong decision. And not only that, but it's like cleansing your mind. It's like every day you put your makeup on and to get to a point you've got to take your makeup off and it's like with your mind we're putting constraints on ourselves work commitments children pressure being skinny mm-hmm. what, what, what we want to buy this new dress we want this new handbag it's all constraints it's pressure 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 and sometimes if you don't release that pressure with meditation with switching off mm-hmm. it comes to a point where we've got a pressure cooker and we do explode and we explode to the wrong people and we hurt other people and we also hurt ourselves so meditation to me is literally like switching the lights off mm. and put a little candle there and you just glow and you flow and you switch off. Well, I've never heard it expressed like that. I'm, I love that. It's so true that mm. it is it's the pressure cooker. Yeah, yeah. And you're right. You and, that's what, and that's what, and I've been very guilty of that growing up and exploded and I've not been proud of my behaviour when I, I've shouted or I've retaliated to somebody and I've realised that's not really the way because for me to hold that type of negativity or that type of anger I'm holding on to something that's negative I'm actually hurting myself mm. as well as voicing you know mm. um, something that's not kind to somebody else in retaliation to what they've done to me mm. and this show has really highlighted um, a lot of points because I can see a lot of people's behaviour and I've, I've started to analyse you know situations around me mm. and I realise that's not something I studied for since I was age of 12 to carry on in a mm. in, in that in that mindset for me i'm very much i am a calm person and i'm a good person and i'm a kind person and that reflects with me you know to carry on to meditate and keep giving out those good vibes when obviously editing we all know that the yeah. show is edited to look a certain way but has watching it has watching yourself yeah uh, opened your eyes to anything that you've since worked on um one thing i would say is the camera doesn't lie. The camera can lie in terms of editing, mm. but the camera doesn't lie. And I think that people that say that they can't stand themselves watching themselves on TV, I'm not talking about aesthetic, the way you look, mm. um, that it's not really a true reflection of them. I think maybe they don't know themselves well enough. Um, if I was going to look at myself and analyse how I see myself, I've realised that sometimes I can come across as quite a harsh person because I see that, I analyse that when I look at myself on TV. But deep down inside, that's just an exterior. Mm. It's almost like a crab because, you know, you're in a world where you have to protect yourself um, and you don't want to come across or show your weaknesses or your vulnerability. So you almost have this hard exterior, which is not really the essence of me, but I do appreciate that I've actually been able to see that watching myself in the show. I've seen certain situations where I come across as quite harsh and sometimes maybe... Not as emotional as I really am. Mm. But I wouldn't say that was a criticism. 
I'd say that's something that I've analysed and observed over myself as I've been getting to know myself and you never stop getting to know yourself. Mm, you never do. You no. Know, you never no, stop learning. No. So um, one of the things I approached your lovely PR about doing this interview yeah. is in a description of you, uh, Real Housewife is the, the last part of that description yeah. and the first word is businesswoman. Yeah. And second it's entrepreneur. So I really wanted to ask you about that because obviously if people have watched you on the show, they might know that you have a business, they know that you have a salon and they yeah. know that you've launched your shampoo, but tell me about how you became a businesswoman. Well, I went full circle really. I met my ex-husband very young at the age of 18. So at 18, obviously you've done, uh, you're very limited as to you know what businesses you've been involved in and with your work experience. Mm-hmm. And my ex-husband was a lot older than me. Um, and when we got together, he didn't want me to work at all. He wanted me basically to be the housewife. Those are the housewives that had fabulous dinner parties that always looked lovely and went to the gym and travel around the world with him as his companion and his lover and his ultimately his wife. Um, so as that became part of my life at the age of 18, I didn't really know anything different. And then sadly, when the marriage failed and we finally parted company when I was 27, I realised that there's like a world out there and I've missed a lot of my youth and I actually want to do something for me as much as I don't regret my years with Mark. My mm. years were wonderful with Mark and probably some of the happiest years I've, I've ever had in my life, so to speak, up until this point. But I realised I wasn't doing anything for me. So when our marriage broke down, I was very, very lost because my life was Mark mm. and my son. It was doing this for my husband doing that for my husband there was no really anything doing it for me and I thought to myself I really want to do something and 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 have some you know responsibility and have some almost like self-worth that I am capable um and it's not like I didn't want to work when I was married I had a few ideas I wanted to because my background was hairdressing um I wanted to do something in the beauty and hair world um and set my own business up but Mark my ex-husband was very um, against it really because that didn't fit into the remit of what he wanted from mm. him, from Nova's relationship with me he wanted me to be there for him and quite rightly so at the time so when we broke up when I was 27 I decided I wanted to go on a path and find something that I really enjoyed so I went back to hair I went back to doing hair extensions and I thought Do you know what I want somewhere where people can go and they can literally get dolled up from head to toe apart from surgery we do absolutely everything in my business that I've got now I want something a stone throw away from mm-hmm. where I live. I want to make people feel great. I want to make people feel great and look great. It makes me happy. And what better to do it in my area in Cheshire where there's lots of women that have got a lot of time, a lot of disposable cash. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a big lifestyle thing, getting your hair done, you know, your nails done, your eyelashes done. You know, it's massive in the area that we live in. So why don't I encompass a lovely, beautiful environment where I've got great staff, there's no bitching. We offer fantastic services at reasonable prices. Mm. We use all the latest um, mod cons and equipment and brands. And let's bring something to Cheshire that you don't have to drive from place to place to go to. It's literally a one-stop palace where you get groomed from head to toe if, if you need it and demand it. Yeah, because often it's that you have to go to the big town centres. Yeah, centers yeah or you have to, so you have to get your hair done, or your hair extensions, or your eyelashes here, or sports massage there. And we do absolutely everything. Wow. Yeah, there's only over like 200 treatments that we offer in our salon. Blimey. And we have a lady that comes in who does all your uh, semi-permanent makeup. We have another lady who comes in to do all your Botox and any um, 
any aesthetics in terms of rest the lane and fillers and that type of stuff so it, you know all encompassing we, we do everything from head to toe and that's nice as well because you can walk in and you can tell your friends I'm just having a blow dry yeah and actually yeah. you've had your lips done yeah. you don't have to be yeah, so yeah exactly so vocal about it and you know for a lot of my clients they're busy as well mm. they're working moms so they come in they don't want to go and get the hair done and then drive someone else to get the nails so while they get the hair done they've got the toes being done at the same time and the hands done mm. so it's like a one stop shop you've come and got in a space of an hour your hands done your toes done your hair done perfect boosh straight out the door and I guess the transformative power of that and how yeah. it can change people's mental attitude. Yeah. I always say, um, I think I've said on this podcast before, I used to have these coffee meetings mm. opposite a very famous uh, hairdressers in uh, Chelsea. And if I was there for a prolonged period of time, I'd see people walk in kind of a bit with their yeah. hair up in a bun. Yeah. And then you see them come out and it's like they're yeah. walking down a yeah. red carpet. Yeah, it's like a tr- total transformation. And it's addictive. Yeah. And to be a part of that yeah. process is... But what's Must also great. yeah, what's also nice is um, it's building relationships up with clients as well. It's not just about the service you offer. You can be fantastic with your service, but I just think doing hair and body treatments is a very personal service mm. you offer because people form a very close bond with the therapist or yeah. with the hairstylist. And I'm very very big with that with my staff. That one, there's no never any gossip exchanged, mm. and two, you very much become a friend of a client as well. Mm. And that give that makes the bond stronger that they want to come back because they want to talk to you, you know, where you know, you know where they're up to in, in, in their lives. Yeah. And also I found with a lot of clients, they'll tell um, my staff stuff that they wouldn't dream of telling anybody else. It's almost like a release of therapy. It's like yeah. I come here and you won't judge me. I can tell you, I know you're on my side, I can air out all my thoughts and all the things that annoy me or get me down or make me happy or make me cry. And I'm in a safe environment where I trust that information yeah. won't go anywhere. And plus, you're making me feel beautiful. And any skin concerns, I've got hair concerns. I'm in the right place. I've got the professionals here to help me. Mm. So it's just a really, I'm not just saying it's my business, it's just a really, really lovely setup. And I'm really lucky to have such lovely, lovely girls that work for me. So, how did you go about piecing it all together? What was the, do you remember the initial idea? Yeah, it was to come in and transform someone from head to toe. Um, I slept on it for about two months when I wanted to go down the road of getting um, machines and do more specialised treatments, mm-hmm. uh, make it more clinical, so to speak, but I have to employ nurses and, and people of that, right. um, that stature. And I thought to myself, no, because I don't find using a machine, um, you know, weight loss machines or cellulite machines, I don't really feel that personal. And I know as a woman... There's basic necessities that you need in terms of waxing, your eyebrows, mm. your eyelashes, your hair, your fingernails. No matter who you are, there's always some point in your life that you're going to want those minimal, those basic, you know, beauty packages mm. to, to, you know, to, to be catered for. So I thought, I'm not going to go down that road of employing nurses and make it more clinical, more, more of a clinical clinic. I'm going to have very much, what I want is, you leave your front room and you're literally coming into my front room and you feel relaxed. It's a relaxed environment where we use fantastic products. We've got fantastic girls there that are very, very, you know, we have loyal clients that have been with us since the day we, you know, the day we opened and never gone anywhere else yeah. since we opened. Um, and it's just that ease where you go there, you're treated like royalty. You know, the girls are fabulous. The treatments, I mean, I've continuously got the, the clients to come back and give me a record card of how, how good they think their service was. Um, and I le- read a lot of um, quotes that people put on our website as well and, and on good, the Good Salon Guide and always like five five stars we get so I know that I've got a winning formula 
and I'm really really glad that I didn't go down the clinical mm. road I went down the, the just the basic beauty packages yeah. obviously there is more advanced treatments that we offer but you know your, your bread and butter of basic beauty packages yeah. which everyone needs to have on a daily basis to make themselves you know feel feel good and look good that's what we provide do you think you would ever go down clinical um, I wouldn't rule it out, but I've really got to believe in the machine, mm-hmm. and I and I found a lot of um, places that I've been to that charge an astronomical fee. Uh, I've been to places in London and spent tens of thousands of pounds um, on a machine that was supposed to eradicate my stretch marks. And to be honest, I might as well have got my money and flush it down the toilet. <laughs> I could not justify myself as a businesswoman to do something that I didn't believe in. Yeah. I don't believe that because someone's brought out uh, a machine, a hundred thousand pound, and you charge your clients seven or eight hundred pounds per treatment mm. and it's what it says on the tin does not work I, yeah. couldn't, I couldn't justify earning money in that respect right so unless it was a, an all single dancing machine that i really believed and i saw the results over numerous people i wouldn't touch a lot of those machines as far as i could throw them yeah it's a good I point think, well i think i think it's a con and i think people think because they're spending more money or it's a more prestigious um, clinical centre that they're going to, that therefore they get the results they want. But you'd actually be quite surprised if you did research on it and studied and found those people and reached out to them, mm. that they were disappointed and they'd, been, they'd hemorrhaged thousands of pounds worth of cash for no results, and I'm not a believer in that. So I'd rather always stick to a basic formulation that mm. always works. You know, We know how to get rid of cellulite. We can never eradicate it altogether, but we can help to eliminate and reduce the appearance mm. of it. And that's what I sell. Yeah. I sell products to what what I'm telling you, that is gospel truth. I'm never gonna sell to a client thousand, thousands of pounds worth of courses of rubbish and machinery that just don't work. So I think I would stay away from the clinical it's, side. It's all it, it's so if it happens to you and you do invest and you because you put your hope, you put yeah. so much emotion yeah. into it. And if it doesn't work it can be heartbreaking. Yeah. And I had adult orthodontics about ten years ago and I went to uh, a a dentist that wasn't in Harley Street and I just brought up brought it up very casually to him and just yeah. said um, something about a dentist on Harley Street and he just looked at me and said Harley Street is just a postcode yeah it is doesn't yeah. mean they're better than me no, <laughs> so no. I was like, okay I hadn't really no. thought about it like that a lot of people that is, isn't it it's all like cloak and dance isn't it <clears throat> smoke and mirrors mm. we'll sell the illusion we'll sell the illusion there is no illusion for me to sell because I've got fantastic staff the brands that we use yeah. are the top of their league you know, the service that we have, the customers that come back day in, day out, week in, week out, it just speaks volumes itself. So you, I mean, you must have chosen what brands you wanted, chosen the hair yeah. care. Yeah. With it, so piecing that all together, how long did that take? Probably from having the idea to actually opening my doors about 18 months. Wow. So it takes a lot, a lot of time. Obviously, you can rush things and speed things through oh. a lot quicker, but I wanted everything to be perfect, or as perfect as it could be. And what challenges did you face along the way? Because I'm sure there'll be people listening to this who either have beauty businesses or yeah. want to. Yeah. Uh, what did were there any hurdles along well, the way? Yeah, there's always hurdles in any business. Any anyone who takes a gamble to do anything in life, there's always going to be hurdle obstacle. But from mm. that point, you grow, don't you? And yeah. And you learn. It's only until you hit those obstacles, things that you don't even see or you can see coming. It's just part of, of, of learning, isn't it? Really, new experience. Obviously, from the point of finding my uh, business premises to doing it up in itself to transform it from an old bank to uh, the place it is now that in itself you know the hurdles with workmen people turning up late um, delaying the job one person not fulfilling their job on time has a knock-on effect with the other workmen and yeah. um, employing the right staff 
Um, that's a big thing. It's a very personal service that w- that we offer. So no matter how fantastic you are at your treatments and how knowledgeable you are, if you've not got good people skills, mm. and also because we are we work as a team. Um, I say to my staff, there's nothing that I ask you to do that I wouldn't do myself. Really? And if the toilet needs clean, I'll clean the toilet. If the girls are really late and they need hands-on help, because I'm, I'm training all the procedures as well, I will go and help really? the girls as well. So I'm always to hand, and we very much work as team players. And I have had staff over the years that are fantastic at the job and great with clients, but they're not a team player. Right. They're very much um, a solitary character that that just literally wants to go on their journey and mm. sadly that wouldn't work for the infrastructure for my business because we all help together um, so yeah get the right people um, and just over time just making sure that you know the clients are happy and that mm. they come back and that they want to come back and also keeping my eye on the ball and checking out my competitors because one thing you can almost get you can almost become ignorant in your own blissful state of that I've, I've, I've made it now and things are running smooth and that's when I can take my foot off the gas and mm. you, can never, you can never be so negligent to, to bask in your own ignorance because there's always competition coming around the corner there's always other salons offering new treatments at better prices um, so I'm very very vigilant and I'm constantly always on the internet looking at other salons looking at my competitors what price they're charging and what latest products they're bringing out so I'm very much on the ball. That's really interesting because how do you? Because you, one has to keep one's eye on the competition. Obviously, yeah. one can't get slowed down by it. There's a great yeah. quote from Oprah where she's talking about her show was like the best, uh, most viewed show in the states, and then yeah. all these other similar format shows come yeah. up. And she said, "If I." When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. It's the Kia Summer Sticker Sales Event, so give your friends something to look at. Like a B&B with an ocean view, an endless field of wildflowers, or a sunset that needs no filter. Make this a summer to share and save with a capable Kia SUV or powerful sedan. See your local Kia dealer or visit Kia.com to learn more. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-334-KIA for details. Always drive safely. Sale applies to purchase of specially tagged 2024 vehicles only. Quantities are limited. Must take delivery by 7824. Do that and look behind and yeah. listen as I'm looking over my shoulder for the benefit of the fact that you can't see. Yeah. Um, I'm slowing myself down. I haven't got my eye on the prize. So yeah. you have to be aware that it's happening. Yeah. But you can't let it slow it down. How yeah. do you how do you find that balance? Well, I am in my area one of the newest salons. So I wasn't like a well established salon that'd been going for twenty years that had built up fantastic loyal clientele over twenty years. Mm. I was a new kid on the block. So as far as I was concerned, I wasn't at my forefront. I was I was at starting level. Mm. So I think it's good to have a glance every every now and again because that keeps me balanced and grounded and also it's not it's different from a talk show because the talk show is about yourself isn't it and it's about what you give this is not about what I give this mm-hmm. is about a, a team effort of, of my staff and treatments that that other salons offer as well mm-hmm. and if I didn't take a glance over my shoulder I would be very unfair to my clientele as well because my clients 
want to know about the latest thing. And if I just literally give them a set menu and say, that's it, there's no movement mm-hmm. because I'm too busy moving forward for my goal, I'm, I'm diffusing their voices and also for my staff. Mm-hmm. You know, I want to be fair with my staff because there's other stuff that's going on out there and we think it'd be beneficial to us. If I don't stop and take a look and spend the time and do my due diligence to, to, to benefit my staff and to benefit my customers... I'm being a bit bit arrogant, in my opinion, in this field of what I'm, what I'm doing. Yeah, interesting. No, I can completely, completely see what you mean. Yeah. You have to... You The problem for you is that you're too high profile. You can't go and do secret shoppers. No. You can't go and have your nails done at another salon no. to see no. what that's like. So, no. like you say, you have to just be yeah. acutely aware. When did Ampika Locks come into the mix? Um... I went into hairdressing when I was 16. I moved down to London and did a private course with Sassoon. So hair is something that has always been in my life, really, and mm-hmm. my love for hair and my love for beauty. And since doing the salon, I, I've always wanted, my dream was to always have my own line of products. Yeah. Um, and it came to me to do something in hair because that's originally what I first what my qualification in mm-hmm. and that's something that I've always been passionate as a child you know getting your doll's head out and girls world and you know crimping <laughs> and curling and getting spray paints on and hair mascara came out it's always a passion of mine and I thought let's have a look on the market I thought I really want to bring out a shampoo and conditioner shampoo and conditioner is affordable we all use shampoo and conditioner mm-hmm. unless you've obviously got no hair um, but most people have got hair man or a woman and everyone wants to go in the shower and smell something beautiful mm. and actually get results. Mm. So I did a lot of research into shampoos and hair conditioning companies. I found out obviously what the biggest sellers were, biggest biggest sellers sellers were, mm-hmm. and the properties within those shampoos and conditioners. And bought them, sampled them, smelt them, felt the texture, see if it works on the hair, see if it what it said on the actual bottle resembled what happened with mm. my experience. And I thought, you know what, I'm really missing out on. There's nothing. Everything's like a variation of something florally or organic or no parabens or no sulfates. And I thought, there isn't really anything different here. Everything's like much of a muchness. Mm. I mean, you've got the Aussie range, it smells like bubble gum. But that's it. We've not really got anything that really stands out that goes, wow, Mm. that is different. And I thought, my heritage is from Thailand and there isn't anything that's got a slice of the Orient here on the shelves. So I did a bit of research and looked into Thai spas and see what shampoos they've got um, and looked at Thailand's like biggest uh, selling shampoos. And I thought, why don't I bring over um, natural, natural extracts that have got herbal properties mm-hmm. that it's been proven, clinically proven, that help, you know, help with the hair, whatever your hair problem or concern may be. And why don't I bring it over to England and bring something really unique and different out so that's how it started, literally from an idea. And I spent mm. months and months doing my research. And I found a wonderful um, shampoo and conditioning company. Um, and I said, told them my idea and I said, I don't want to just be a celebrity who's just literally grabbed something off the shelf, rebranded it. Hey, here's my shampoo and conditioning mm. range. It's something that I want to believe in. Mm. So I decided I wanted to have a range. I wanted to boil it down to five different types. So no matter what your hair type is, whether it's from Afro-Caribbean through to Caucasian hair, through to um, Oriental hair, it will suit any hair type, and the five different lines I brought out would be applicable to anyone who's got hair. So I thought that was the first thing I want to be able to captivate. I don't want to rule or rule anybody out from being able to use the shampoos or conditioners, um, and bringing over natural extracts from Thailand and infusing them 
into my shampoos and conditioners mm. that is to me it started giving me all goosebumps started feeling tingling I thought you know what I'm going to do this and I was very lucky to find a wonderful after months and months of, of having different samples sent to me to find a really good company that listened to my idea that thought it was a good idea and said okay let's get let's get rolling let's get these these um natural extracts brought over let's infuse them let's put them into a bolt let's, let's get them through a stability process which takes about six months let's try and test them on two thousand people and let's hear the feedback and the results so it's a lengthy process mm. but obviously i've jumped through all those hurdles now and literally in a matter of like three or four weeks the product's here it's it's landed it's born should i say the baby's yeah. born and now all i'm going to do is nurture that baby and get it to infancy stage where it can walk and then run and <laughs> fly it's interesting you said it gave you goosebumps yeah. as, a, as a businesswoman you are a businesswoman yeah and an entrepreneur do you do you listen to that that goosebumpy flourishy yeah. feeling when you when it comes to making business yeah. decisions yeah i do obviously like i said i, I don't do anything on impulse mm. and every time i thought about it you know it, it gave me goosebumps it wasn't just something that one day it gave me goosebumps and the next day I was, I was just running away with the idea. Yeah. It's been a long process and a lot of research and every time I thought about it, it made me tingle. I thought, hair is something I'm passionate about. Almost like you're drawn towards yeah. it. Like every time you think yeah. it, you get... Yeah, I mean, I'm just saying it's my shampoo uh, and condition range, but it's fabulous. The smell of it, it's got orchid oil in, orchid oil extracts in, so the smell of it is totally divine. It smells sensational. It sits above anything else and it's very distinctive, the smell. So straight away, the texture of it as well, the way it lathers up, everything about it is different. And I just feel, oh, I just, I know it's going to do really, really well. I can't wait to, I can't wait to sounds see like, it. Yeah. I can't wait, yeah. yeah. And to smell it, it sounds yeah. like it's incredible. Now it is distinctive. You are distinctive as well. Yeah. Let's talk about this because, again, watching you in the, in the TV show there was a thing this season where there was a makeover. Yeah. And of all the people to be made over... I know, it had to be me. But why? Because actually it, it speaks to your personality. It yeah. speaks to who you are that, yeah. yeah, you do like to wear those things and you're yeah. unapologetic about it. Did yeah. you feel... I'm, well, first of all, I was surprised that you agreed to it. Yeah. And second of all, I can understand why you were really pissed off when it happened. Yeah. Because it sort of goes think, against yeah, everything you've said. I don't, I don't think it really enhanced me. I think it's nice to be versatile and have different looks. And yeah. I think I would never rule out someone giving me a makeover if it was if it was coming from the heart with good intentions. Yeah. Um, and I think sometimes you can try a different varied look. And even though it's not you, you can still appreciate mm. that it accentuates some of your features. That makeover, there was nothing that accentuated any of my natural features and it didn't come from a good place. It didn't come from good intentions, so therefore mm. the outcome would never be good or worthwhile or appreciated. Um, I took it in my stride. I took it with a pinch of salt. It's far removed from me. Um, I had a bit of a laugh about it. Mm. I don't get hung up on rubbish. I've got too many other things in mind to, to get worried and concerned about. Mm. So um, it is what it is, but... Because I think the fact that you can rock up to a party in body paint yeah. makes you awesome. Oh. I wouldn't have the balls to do that. And actually, I don't know anyone who'd have the balls to do it. So when I look at it, yes, I might think I couldn't do that. But I think good on you for doing yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. That's what my mentality as well. I think live and let live. It's not hurting anyone. And I always say, if you don't like, don't look. If you don't like, don't look. Yeah. There is that, there's another quote from your book of Ampicaism. Yeah, I know. 
I know, that sort of thing. I think Sodder, you know, Leanne was the main focal point of that party. She looked sensational. I knew that Leanne wouldn't be upset with me if I thought for one minute that my garish dress sense would affect somebody yeah. or hurt someone. I certainly would not rock up with that attire. But I knew that Leanne would take it lightheartedly. And I think Leanne half knew, realistically, that Ampika was going to pull mm. something out of the bag that night. Mm. She didn't quite realise it was body paint, <laughs> but she was going to pull something out of the bag and she took it in jest and as long as the birthday girl wasn't upset I just think mm. sod the others and it showed off the fact that you have a cracking body Aww. and everyone I've spoken to about that episode is like oh my goodness yeah. she is in fantastic nick so give us a little bit of an insight you've talked about the fact you're on a health kick at the moment yeah do you have a particular health fitness philosophy um I think when you train your body you train your mind I think the two go hand in hand. Uh, I think it gives you a matter of fantastic discipline. Mm-hmm. Um, I think to strengthen the body, strengthen the mind. Like I said, the two go hand in hand together. And I wouldn't be on Pika if I wasn't working on both of them at the same time. Mm-hmm. So exercise for me is a great release to feel good about myself, release those endorphins, start the day off with a bang, get my t- metabolism, you know, um, speeded up. Too. Yeah, speeded up, and and it just electrifies me, ready for the day. So you are you somebody who likes to work out in the morning? Well, I like to do both, ideally, but it doesn't always happen in an ideal world. Oh, you, I like to do both. I like to do a session in the morning, I like to do a session in the evening. But my son, um, when I come home, I feel guilty, really, you know, leaving him after bedtime, so, after bath time, so I don't do it as often as I'd like to do in the evening. But sometimes I'll put him in the bath, when he comes out of the bath, I'll let him play on his um, computer for 30 minutes, so I will go upstairs and have a run on the running machine, or I will go and have a quick mm-hmm. swim. Um, just before I arrived with this interview, actually, yeah. one of our listeners, Kerry, uh, sent a message on Facebook, and she was saying, just listen to your podcast, found it really interesting, which was lovely feedback. But she said, I had to stop it a few times because I had to go and get my son from nursery, and yeah. she's obviously really busy. Yeah. You're a working mum. How do yeah. you juggle it? How do you manage? Well, it's difficult, because when you're a working mum, you're always riddled with guilt. Guilt. Guilt that you should be at home, or guilt that you should be doing this, more guilt you should be doing that. But it's hard because as a working mum, I've got bills to pay and I've got a lifestyle to fund. Mm. And that includes the lifestyle of my sons as well. So there's got to be some compromise, you know. But I'm very, um, I speak to my son in a very adult-like manner. And I do say to him, listen, Jay, you know, you go to a lovely school and you don't really want for anything. I'm not saying that money's everything because it's certainly not. Mm. But in the same breath, I make a lot of sacrifices to give you this and if mummy didn't work so hard you wouldn't have the opportunity that you've got now um we can press that stop button jake and we can you know spend all our time together but there will be no holidays and there will be no new clothes and we wouldn't have the lifestyle that we've got if i didn't work so mm. you know you've got to understand and realize it's a compromise but i do have my set times with them as well where it is our time mm. and i won't answer my phone so jake has that routine that you know he knows on a monday night Mummy is always at home with him and we do stuff together and there'll be definitely two nights a week that are just our time where I take no telephone calls and it's just his time. But it is difficult, but I'm hoping that when he grows up and he obviously becomes a working man himself, mm. he'll understand the sacrifices that I've made. Maybe it's too young for him to understand and take it on board now. He says he gets it, but I don't think he'll really ever get it until he's old enough himself and he realises, you know, out there it's a big world and you've got to go out and you know you've, you've got to work hard and fight for it if you want something i'm getting the sense and it was really nice that you're, you're quite laser focused in, yeah. a, in a lovely way and you do compartmentalize in order to 
sort of keep all the plates spinning. Is yeah. that is that what yeah. you think? Yeah, I do. Well, yeah, because you've got to have some type of order and clarity in your mind, haven't you? Mm. So you can only compartmentalise things if you've analysed it, boxed it off and put it in a position where it needs to be. Otherwise, you've got numerous spinning plates and you don't know exactly what, mm. you know, what position, what number one is, to two is, to three is, with no air of priority or sense of direction. And sooner or later, the plate's going to come crashing down. So you have to have order of how to stack things. Do you, are you a diary keeper or are you an online diary keeper? No, I'm not online and everything's written. I'm very much the dinosaur. I'm the age of pen and ink. The biro will never die while I'm still living. I'll take shares in biro because biro <laughs> is something that is great for me. It's just be able to pick that pen up and literally doodle, draw, sketch, write poems, brainstorm, talk about business, list of things to do. Everything is pen and paper. There's studies actually that show that um, the the actual um, function of yeah. writing, say your to do list, um, makes it stick more. Yeah. As opposed to thinking like on the way to the car in the morning or on the way yeah. back from school, and thinking oh, I've got to do the shopping, got to do that, yeah. got to do the other. Yeah. It will evaporate. Whereas yeah. there's something of there's something. It impregnates into your brain. Yeah. It does very much so. Yeah. Do you journal? Do you diary in a way that rather than as opposed to just your to do list, do you yeah. ever just write your thoughts yes, out yes I do I write I tend to do that sometimes when if I feel sad about something or a situation happened that was out of my control and I would like to gain a little bit of control back into the realms of my mind so I will sit down and I'll write how I feel and then I end up making it into a verse I end up making it into a song <laughs> sounds quite bizarre no um, so and then that way I've dealt with it and it's almost like I've got a, a, a grievance or something that pained me off my chest because yeah. I wrote something beautiful with it and I can like kind of like sail it down the river and, and put it to bed, so to speak. Isn't that amazing? Because mm. um, journaling, this is this is my this is me projecting my own therapy session yeah. onto you. I really want to get into journaling, but again, it's a bit like meditation. I'm at that point where yeah. I have a few good days and I forget and yeah. I think, oh balls, and then yeah. I've got to start from scratch. Yeah. Is it something you do regularly, or is it just when you need it? Oh no, I do it regularly. To be honest, put pen to paper a lot. Um, it's just my my place where I gather my thoughts um, nothing is wrong nothing is right what's written it's just my own thoughts where I put clarity to things and it's allowing me to let it out of myself as well because I think sometimes your mind can become a fishbowl mm. where everything remains in that fishbowl and it swirls round and round and round and sometimes if it's something that hurts me or that's negative I have to release it mm. and I don't necessarily want to share that with the world I just want to share it with myself, but I want to let it go. Mm. So I'm not going to talk to myself, otherwise I'll get locked up. So I'm going to put pen <laughs> to paper and make it picture perfect until the, the pen no longer wants to hit the paper because I've expressed everything that I've expressed. Mm. And then I can put it to bed then. That's so interesting. Cause it, it, and then it clears my mind yeah. then because I've, I've allowed myself to... I'm one of these people that have to get things off my chest. But I've got to be very careful of who you share your information with, so therefore... If I just keep it to myself, that, that information's in a safe place. I have made my mind stronger because I'm allowed to deal with something that was difficult myself yeah. and switch off and let it go. And I think there's a thing as well of, um, it, it's, it's really easy when one is having a problem or yeah. whether it be about work or a friend or anything, yeah. it's easy to seek advice. Yeah. And actually the first port of call is right here, just ask yeah. yourself. Yeah. And, and yeah. journaling is a yeah. really good way of, I think, crystallising these things. Yeah. And I, being a yeah. bit more self-sufficient. And do you think that that helps you find that clarity when you're meditating, if you can crystallise something and sort of 
sail down the river with it and then it well, doesn't yeah. bother well, your yeah, mind. because I think, you know, we can hold on to too many things, too many things in the past and mm. sometimes you never you never deal with them properly and it'll come up and it'll reoccur and, and be a hindrance in your future, you're moving forward. I don't want to keep going back to the same stumbling blocks that I've had in the past in my life. Mm. Had those stumbling blocks for a reason and I jump over them as they're a hurdle and I don't look back. And the only way I can look back is I have to let go of it. Therefore, for me, I have to express it, put pen down to paper, literally shelve it somewhere, analyse it, go through it. And if I'm still really worked up and angry, my mind will tell me because my pen will carry on flowing. Right. And my pen will carry on telling me what resonates inside me. And once that pen stops flowing and my mind feels a lot calmer because I've had somewhere to place any sadness or place any negative experience, my mind is clear and I've done myself the best job. And I don't need to go back to that then because I've, I've been through it. I don't need to relive that moment again. Do you feel like um, whenever you do experience something, good or bad, do you, yeah. do you take that moment to check in and say, what, what should I learn from this? Yeah, I do a lot. Uh, I've started doing that a lot more about positive things. I don't tend to write. Uh, I do write poems sometimes when I'm happy, but I tend to almost stop and ponder and I look up at the sky and I say, I really cherish this moment right now. I am so lucky. I just want to take every moment, every millisecond, and re- contain this feeling of how happy I feel mm. or how pleased I'm about this situation. And I've started to do that a lot more, I would say, recently, probably the last 12 months, more so than ever, because a lot of times when good things happen, you feel euphoric, but you never actually stop mm. and and really grasp onto that moment and think, I am so lucky and I'm so blessed to, to, to have this in my life right this moment in time now. And it's tempting in this modern day and age to think, right, that was amazing, now I've got to find the next one rather than yeah. actually really, yeah. as you say, embracing yeah. that one. Yeah, embrace the moment. That's the thing, we can live too much in the future, we can also live too much in the past. Mm. No one realises the power of the present. The power of the present is everything. The power of the present is what's real. The past is not real because it's gone. We can't relive those mm. moments unless you want to form an attachment to it, which to me is only ever negative. And I can't form attachment to the future because no one knows the future. Mm. I can think I can make the future, but it's a great thing called life that kicks you in the balls and shit happens. So mm. we don't ultimately know our future. But what we do know is how we're feeling right now. And that's one thing that I'm really big into and that echoes back from my Buddhist roots is the power of the present, the power of living now, for accepting all the good things and embracing all the good things, not running to, well, in the future, this is great, it's going to happen, so I'm going to look to the future, but forget you're in a happy place now, just embrace what's here in your life now. Are there any books that you read or anything or any sources that you go to um, to help you or that have got you to that place where you're really enjoying the present? Uh, oh, God, I've read hundreds and hundreds of books. I'll tell you what book I'm reading at the minute. Um, a book of great speeches that changed the world. So we'll put the link in the show notes. Yeah, it's um, it's an amazing book actually. It's just with people that have, have, have fought, shaped the world with the, the with the speeches and how a lot of the ethos of the speeches and word for word people still quote mm. and the impact it's had on the monarchy in terms of wars, battles that were won that have changed the face of religion in our country. Um, you know embracing different races and cultures it's very very powerful speech and that's what people forget how powerful a speech is and how influential it's become mm. and obviously with what's ha- happening now with uh, are we going to exit Europe or are we not you realise the impact of other people's thoughts and opinions how other people either buy into or they don't buy into you mm. the power of the spoken word is uh, is greatly um, 
well, it's not appreciated as much as it should be. Yeah. So that's what I'm reading at the minute, and then I, God knows what I'm reading afterwards. I'm actually currently um, going to start writing a book about my life, so my childhood. So uh, I suppose I'll stop reading after, uh, after I finish this book and just concentrate on my book that I'll be bringing out soon. That was the question I wanted to ask you. Are you going to write a book? Yeah, yeah. So interesting, yeah. it's in the works. Congratulations. Yeah. I, can't, I can't wait for that to come out now. Yeah, gosh, I don't know how many hours are in my day, 72, I don't know. <laughs> but, you know, while I've got the energy and while I'm still young, sod it, I'm going to do it. If I want it, I'm going to get it. I'm going to strive towards it and I work damned hard to get it. Yeah. And will it, and it be autobiographical? Yeah, yeah. It'll only be about my childhood. Um, and to this present point, I think there's lots of books that I could write about me. Um, so I'll just give everyone a slice of my childhood so you understand who I am and my thought process and the reasons why I am the way I am. Um, and then later on, I'll reveal the middle part of my life. Then later on, I'll have the, the happy ending. So I don't want to give everyone Christmas cake all at once. So I'll literally <laughs> drop the crumbs and uh, give you a little taster. I, I wonder how you'll find that process because writing first person can be really cathartic and it can be really it can bring out lots of emotions yeah a hell of a lot of emotion I was sat in my garden a few weeks ago and I was putting pen to paper and all of a sudden I sat there like uncontrollable tears I Mm -hmm. thought it's like overwhelming but in a good way yeah all positive there's nothing negative all in a good way yeah yeah but that's being in touch with yourself as well and I don't think that's what many people don't have the ability to do being in touch with yourself is the most wonderful gift if I could go around the world and give it to people and bottle it up honestly I'd be the happiest person ever because I think, you know, we wouldn't have the wars, we wouldn't have the conflict that we've, we've got in this world if people really knew themselves. Yeah. They weren't masked over or illusioned by the voice and opinion of others. Mm. You've got your own voice and opinion. And I don't think man, testosterone's got a lot to answer for, but I don't think man, naturally, without the, the instinct to kill for food, should have any other aggression mm. towards another, I don't believe, if they got to know themselves. And found out the true virtues. I feel like you should go. I honestly feel like when you write this book, please do like evenings where you have Q and A's with readers or something. I feel like I'd should... love to. I'd love to. Do. I actually thought about that doing it in my salon. I actually thought about one night a month of having like a women's association, like a women's group, and we all stand up and we all. But I thought it's a lot though because obviously we live in a small area, and if people are going to open themselves up, mm. you know, obviously I trust. Um, I'm very trusted, I wouldn't ever open mouth, but for someone to really open themselves mm. up, it takes, one, it takes a lot, because like you say, it's very emotional, and two, you've got to know that the people that you, you're discussing your problems with, that it goes no further. But I would love to, for me, I keep saying to myself, I'm born this earth for two things, one is to reproduce, and two is to help people, and I've already reproduced, hopefully I'll reproduce again, and I want to get to the point to help people, and do you know what, when I leave this world, I'll be a very, very happy and lucky woman. Wow. My my last question in uh, all of these interviews is always, what's next? Yeah. So we've covered a lot. It just seems like everything. Yeah, yeah. It seems like there's a lot in your future. What's, what's next? Um, I like keeping myself busy. I think a healthy mind is an active mind. Um, so we've launched the shampoos and conditioners, which will be fantastic, mm-hmm. within the next three, three weeks. I know that'll go down a blast for Christmas. Um, so I'm really excited about that something I feel passionate about Mm -hmm. and it's got a story behind it and it's the truth as well it's my heritage it's organic properties that work Mm. that give you the results that you want and the smell of it I mean just for the smell of it alone I think I should be bringing out room fragrance um, oils and scented pillow uh, capsules 
because the smell of this literally sends me to heaven and back. The book is the next chapter. The shampoos and conditioners, that is in the forefront. That's mm. almost imminent. It's now. The book is the next stage. Uh, I'd like to have a baby next year. Don't know when we'll fit all this in. If, <laughs> if God willing, whoever's above me uh, is watching over me. And uh, who knows? I mean, the world's like your oyster, isn't it? Uh, I was approached today about doing, bringing out like a fitness wear range, um, bringing out an app, a fitness app that people can download. And every day you can see Ampika's morning exercises with words of positivity to make you feel fine spirited and firing <laughs> off all cylinders every day. Uh, that could be a possibility. I quite like to, I'd quite enjoy that actually, building up a fan basis on an app and giving out positive speech for five minutes every morning, giving you like a little workout session that you can do at home. The Rock's got the Rock Clock. We can have the Ampika. I'll think of something. I'll think of something. Peekaboo's moves. Peekaboo's moves. But the rock clock is he he busts your balls if you don't get up when your alarm goes off. And you can get up at his. You can get up at the same time as him. You've got two options. Mm. You can get up when you want, yeah. or you can just click rock clock, and then it will wake you up when he gets up. Oh, that's brilliant. And he gives you a proper. He gives you. He he does videos, and he's like, oh, "Come on, get brilliant. your ass out of bed, get in that gym." God, that's brilliant. Yeah, so have a look at the rock clock. Yeah, I will do. Inspirational. <laughs> that's what I like, positive. It all starts in the morning. You start your day off with that positive mindset and it will carry on through the rest of the day. You start it off on that low and trust me, you'll be broken by the end of the day. Mm. Yeah. So we don't want to be going there. We want to stay on a high, positive levels right up there. And um, to that point, I just want to ask you, if someone does wake up and they feel a bit crap, yeah. What? Um, how can they start to feel better do you know what I do I do myself a little ritual and it's called loving peekaboo and I give myself a little hug so when I lie in the bed and I think yeah, I think this that and the other or whatever one I'm annoyed with myself because I should have put pen and paper before I went to bed to let it out because mm-hmm. we never hold negativity when we go into bed because it only transfers to the morning so I also try to let it out um, so morning times most of the time I'm, I'm positive um, but if I'm, if I'm carrying anything over overlying I give myself a little hug and I give my me time. I ask myself, I always say to myself, what makes Ampika feel loved and what makes Ampika feel special? Now that could be Ampika having a shower with her shampoo and conditioner because it smells beautiful. Mm. That's my little time to love myself. And when you love yourself, you like yourself. When you like yourself, you like the whole world mm. and you, all of a sudden you've lifted your spirits up. Little things that I like, I like soy hot chocolate. I don't have it every morning. It's a treat for me. So I think, you know what, Pika, I'm going to be kind to myself today. I'm going to go downstairs and I'm going to take great delight in making myself a soy hot chocolate. And fuck it, I'll put two marshmallows in it as well. And I've <laughs> done something that's made me something for me that I yeah. like and love myself. So therefore, because I've started to be kind to myself and actually drop any negativity because I'm doing something kind for me. Yeah. And all of a sudden it starts to pick me back up. And I just do that. And I sometimes I'll just switch my phone off from work and say, right, fuck it. I'm having 30 minutes. I'm having 30 minutes of me time. So everything else around me can fall apart. But if I'm not strong, it'll fall apart. So when I'm strong, nothing will fall apart. But I just need my 30 minutes for me to go and sit in my room or to go and read a chapter of a book or to do something nice for myself. And then I come back firing up all cylinders. And it's just having that switch off point. Being kind to yourself, that's the key. What a brilliant message on which to end this interview. It's just been such a joy. Oh, Be good. kind to yourself. Thank you so much for your time, Ampika. Oh, Ampika. thank you. It has been an absolute joy. And all of the notes, all of the information about Ampika Locks, uh, anything, any links that we've discussed, they will be in the show notes. Thank you once again, Ampika. Um, it's been the Beauty Podcast with Emma G. Thanks for tuning in and we'll see you next time. Mm-hmm.
Thank you so much for listening. Remember, if you want to get in touch with the show, you can email me by going to emmagunnawarner.com. The link is in the show notes, and that's also where you can sign up for my regular newsletter. Now, thank you so much to those of you who've been emailing in, asking for particular guests to appear on the show. If you have anyone you'd like to hear on the podcast, please do email me or tweet me at Emma Guns using the hashtag EGPodcast. See you next time.